Okay, guys, welcome back. Week three. Week three, baby. How fun was it, like, seeing the response after we posted the first one? Oh, my God. It was so good. I was, like, ner- I was a bit nervous. Remember, like, we talked, you know, you're putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to be okay with getting some negative feedback. But for mm-hmm. the most part, it was, like, really positive and exciting feedback from people, like, that mm-hmm. were really excited about mm-hmm. – that we were doing this. So I'm, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, how did you feel? I was the same as you, you know, after like, after we recorded, I'm like, oh my God, do people even like want to listen to this? Like I was, I was just kind of like, you know, getting like full of doubt and like, is this even going to make an impact or not that I think everything we do needs to make an impact, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I just felt like It was exactly what I wanted. Like the people were saying like, especially the girls, you know what I mean? Just saying like, oh, it feels like I was hanging out with you. I love this. I can't wait for more. I was just like, I personally love listening to podcasts. I started like listening to them like crazy when Ian and I were separated for so long because I honestly was really lonely. And I would Mm -hmm. always have podcasts playing when I was cooking or cleaning or walking the dogs. And it really helped with my like feeling alone all the time when I was in my house alone for, I don't know, almost two months without him. So I don't know. That's just what I want. And I feel like that's kind of how I felt like reading the comments that people were like connecting and like loving it. So it made me so happy. I know. I know. Honestly. And even it's interesting. I had um, Whitney Simmons text me like yesterday or two days ago and she's like, Courtney, I never listened to podcasts like ever, but I had to listen to this and it was like so refreshing and good. And I'm like, oh, yay. You know, like it's just – and I also had someone reach out and be like, you know, I didn't want to listen to you guys because I thought it was going to be all fitness, but I listened to it. Yeah. And she's like, it was amazing. Like I want to share all about it because you guys are just like talking and like it's normal. We're not all about fitness. This this is not going to be a fitness podcast. Yeah, but this is that's the point of this for us because I feel like every time I meet people and I talk to them and I get to know them, it's like, "Oh my gosh, you're so much more than fitness." And like, yeah. We don't when we hang out, we don't talk about fitness. When when no. we hang out with Ian and Christopher, we're not talking about bodybuilding. Like that's not no. It's a small part of our life. It's a very it's a it's an amazing part, but it's a very small part of our life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I walked it was into great a, feedback. I walked into a store yesterday and the, the girl serving me was like, I listened to your podcast and Stop. I just like I got so embarrassed. I was like, ah, because when you see Bloody. people in person because when you see people in person, I don't know. I was just like, oh my God, thank you. And then I, like I was so <laughs> thankful, but at, at the same time, I'm like, oh, it's actually kind of weird, like. I don't know. You know, when you see someone and they're like, oh, hey, how was this? And you didn't tell them. They just saw it on your Instagram. Yeah. I always feel kind of weird about it. Not in a bad way, just like in a very unnatural way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that. I feel that. But it was good. It was really good. The feedback was good. Mm -hmm. And like, obviously, I think we're going to get better at this because we were both kind of nervous for that first episode. I'm so nervous. I'm not going to sit here and like say that I'm like down here and I'm like, so comfortable. Like I'm still very nervous. I can't lie. Yeah. I completely agree. Mm -hmm. Like a thousand percent agree. Mm -hmm. But it's okay. 
I'm sure it'll go away eventually. I can't imagine doing something so frequently and feeling like this all the time, but I'm still like, you know, setting things up and not feeling natural and putting these on and not feeling like they're mine. Like nothing feels like secure yet, which I'm mm-hmm. sure it'll come. It's only the third time, but I'm just like, more excited after posting the first one. I'm just like more excited to like do more and meet more people basically. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be good. Yeah. Ready to dive in. So today, because last <laughs> week I talked for 90 minutes straight about my damn self. Today. Stop. It was needed. That was a big thing you did. It was great. Yeah. I felt really weird after. I can't lie. I was just like, oh, what did I even, like I blacked out. I don't really remember what I said. <laughs> I haven't edited it yet. So I still don't know what I said, but I was just like, oh my God, did you even powerfully communicate what you wanted to. And then I kind of was like, who cares if I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not going, it's not like I'm releasing this into the world and then disappearing. I feel like these conversations are going to keep coming up because it's like a, I'm in the transition right now. So it's, it's very immediate and things are going to be changing and I'm going to be feeling different things. And that's also probably why I did I felt like I didn't make very much sense when I was talking about it because it's it's like now. Yeah. You know, you're going it's, through it. Yeah, it's yeah. happening now. It I uh I saw Candace 2 days ago. That's How my therapist. That's my therapist by the way, guys. Um she kind of called me out a little bit. She was like cuz I told her I've had like a rough beginning of this year. Yeah. And uh, she was like, I could tell. She's like, I could feel that like something wasn't like good with you. And I tried to reach out a few times to like see if you needed anything. But you're the type of person that you're always like, you know, I'm good. And she's like, from a therapeutic standpoint, I can't really like push and force you to do things that you don't want to do. Um, but you as a person, while you're going through something, you don't really talk about it or ask for what you need you just suffer and then like power through and then you get through it and then you talk about it and then you process it. And there needs to be a way, excuse me, that while I'm going through it, I can like not even process it because that's not going to happen obviously when you're going through it, but lean on people basically. Yeah. I'm so guarded. I'm so guarded when I don't feel like great. Yeah. And and that even shows in like my social media and stuff, you know what I mean? When I like disappear and like all these things and I, it's not just social media, it's like from my like friends, from my family, like it's, it's so strange. So yeah, that's what, that's what I'm working through. Yeah. I don't think you're the only one that does that though. Like you kind of like pull back and I even know when you're going through something cause I feel like, oh, she's not, he doesn't respond that much or she'll respond two days later or a day later, you know, and that's fine. But it's okay to also pull back, but it's also really important to lean on people so you can have like that support, you know? Yeah. When I was talking to her, she was very, um, she said the same thing, basically. She was like, it's, it is powerful sometimes to not want to be seen. So you can just kind of like go through your shit and then come back out. But you need to know when enough is enough. And I find I'll like do that, but 
but then I'll beat myself up for doing it. And then I start to get into this like cycle of like self-sabotage, self-hatred because I like went in my little like cocoon for two days. Whereas like realistically, if that's okay, if that happens and like, how do you move forward from that instead of beating yourself up and then like getting deeper and deeper into whatever negative like feelings you're having. Yeah. So do you feel like you're doing a better job of it? Uh, I, she asked me the same thing and I said to her, I'm like, I can't, I can't say because I, I don't feel, I feel very empowered and like excited right now. Um, I feel positive, which I got myself here. I'm not saying like, oh, I feel great. I'm good. I got myself here, but this, I'm, I'm good when I'm here. I'm not good when I'm not here. So I can't really answer until I'm back in that kind of like mindset and how I'm going to deal with that. But now is what when we kind of prepare for that so we can cope a little better when we get there, you know? Yeah. I think you are just as like an example of like when you were going through that, you know, thing a few weeks ago, month ago, Mm -hmm. whatever it was. And like, it's not like you to reach out really. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of, I I know when you like Candace like are kind of like going in your little hole. So I'm like, you good? What's going on? Checking up? Like, texting you, don't want to be annoying, also allowing you to have your space. But then I was like, can you call? And then you just picked up the phone and called me and kind of like had a, not a breakdown. You were just very vulnerable and open and like, you don't really do that a lot. So I say you're going in the right direction, Mel. Yeah. But she, she was talking to me about, you know how she is. She's kind of big on like origin And like Mm -hmm. why we are the way we are, not even just like from our like family, but kind of from our past lives. Like she's a very spiritual. Yes. A very spiritual being. Yeah. So she was kind of bringing that into it. And I said to her, I'm like, honestly, I feel like my family, they're not really people that push. It's like, oh, they'll, they'll come to me when, if they need me, you know what I mean? Um, but my husband and you are are pushy in like the best way possible. And that's what I said to her. I'm like, honestly, I have like the two people that I'm probably closest with right now, especially in terms of sharing my like vulnerable pieces of me are Courtney and Ian. And I believe it's because they're very, you guys are empaths. So you like feel other people's feelings. So you both will feel when I'm feeling like that. And I think because you're two very caring people, you don't want me to. So you'll push and it's not pushing in like a, let me in, let me in. It's about me. It's literally just like, Hey, I'm here if you need me. And that's, that's pushing and making it about me. Yeah. Which like, that is like something that I respond to. So I, I literally said that to her yesterday and I was like, I don't know, like if this is like, where I'm at in my life and I need these two people right now because I'm yeah. practicing this like new, you know, kind of openness in terms of like talking to people that I care about when I don't feel my best. Yeah. And uh yeah, so I'm thankful good, for man. you. Oh, I love you. I'm thankful <laughs> for you always. No, seriously uh, though. And I'm proud of you. You're making yeah. strides, girl. We all yeah. like, I mean, you know. I, I, you know how many times I've went to you, but I'm just like, <laughs> Mel has helped me through so many difficult situations with my like personal life, 
her brother, my fiance. Like I'm like, Mel, be my therapist. Help me. And you have like for so many things. So I'm thankful for you too, boo. Yeah. But the more that you share, I find the more that you like, for me at least, it might not be the same for everybody. If some, if people share things with me that they're not super like proud of or whatever, not the like bright things in their life, that makes me feel safe to share the same with them. So that's yes. like huge for me on being close with people. Um, not just like surface level or like uh, it, there's just depth. The me- yeah. Like you share the messy stuff, the stuff well, that's like uncomfortable to share. Yeah. I think a lot of people want to be perceived a certain way and that stops them from kind of sharing things that aren't so pretty. Yeah. And I don't really like that. Like I don't yeah. want to think that someone has everything, you know, perfect all the time. Cause to me that's unrelatable. And then I'm like, well, I don't really, I'm not going to be able to have a deep relationship with you anyways. Yeah. I can't connect with that. No. Yeah. Um, but today is about you. Oh God. No. Are you ready? <laughs> oh, I guess. <laughs> ah. I just did a raw podcast with Christopher and Kelvin and it was like about my life and whatever. Like they were asking me stuff like, so take us through your journey and this and that. And I like literally said my journey within like a minute. And Christopher's like, Courtney, this is where you're supposed to like actually share. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I just don't know how much to share. You know how you felt. Like I texted you after you did your opening up and your journey and everything. Mm -hmm. And you were like, oh my God, I feel like that was too much. That's how I felt doing this raw podcast. So we're just going to go for it. And I mean, listen, you can say as little or as much as you want. And if you say a little bit and there's something that I want to know more, I'll just ask. Like I'm not, I also am probably going to know a lot of these answers. So it's not like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll try to dig a little deeper because I want people to get to know you. Um, my idea, you guys was that we can do, um, two podcasts. So this one is going to be me kind of interviewing Courtney. So you guys can get to know her a little bit better outside of like fitness. We all know she won the Olympia. Like we all know that, like, I want to know more about her as a woman. And then next week we'll have Courtney do the same for me. So I don't know. It's, it's just kind of a way to break the ice for people that may not have followed us for a very long time or may not know certain things about us because context is very powerful when you're listening to people share things about their lives. Um, Maybe you can relate to how we grew up or our experiences in school, the pressures that we felt growing into ourselves, whatever, whatever. So that's, that's what today is going to be. And, uh, Courtney, you sent me a few questions from people, but listen, a lot of people like to ask questions about what it's like being married to Christopher and Ian, which I totally respect. And honestly, that's probably my favorite topic Yeah, because that's one of the proudest things in my life is who I am as a wife. And we'll do an episode of just relationship talk, I think, because that's like, what I think we should do. There's like we'll talk for hours about that, about the struggles and all those things, right? Yeah. And so many questions are like, even like 
breakups or how do you know, or, you know, when you're in a rut or if you're going through something, which you and I obviously have both been through a lot. I mean, you've been with your husband a decade, like in your only, in your early thirties, like that's crazy. You know know what I mean? You have a lot of experience to share. I've been with Chris for going on five years this year, which is so wild. So I want to like dive into all that too, but like, we'll save that for a separate, like you said, relationship, little series. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll always talk about that kind of stuff, but I think it will be cool to just do an episode talking about like, I mean, everything. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start. Okay. With you. Talk to me. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay, how, old, how old are you? First of all, I am 29 years old. I'm going to be the dirty 30 <laughs> this year. How does, maybe. How, does, how does it feel saying oh. that? Oh my God. I feel like I just was in my mid twenties. I don't just feel like, well, kind of actually yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was just like turning 26, 25, 27, like, and now I'm 29 turning 30 in like six months. I'm like, wow, where does the time go? It really does go faster as you get older. Mm-hmm. My mom always said that to me like, oh, we'll go by fast. Just you wait. And I'm like, mm. and now I'm like, wow, it, it does. So 29. Yeah, when you're younger, I feel like you're um you're really just kind of waiting for the next stage a lot. Yeah. Like you're waiting to go to high school and then you're waiting to graduate high school and then you're waiting to get married. Like you're you're always looking forward so that where you are kind of feels a bit slower. And yeah. then the older that you get and you're like you're hitting these milestones and then life kind of slows down a little bit especially before you have kids. And then I feel like it just like, I don't know. I'm the same as you. When I turned, well, I mean, I still feel like, I still feel like I'm in my early twenties. And I think that's because that's when I met Ian, uh, you know, like, okay. I, and How old it's same you thing, Ian? 22, but you just said that you still feel like you're in your mid twenties. That's when you met Christopher. So I yeah. feel like when you're single and you're kind of like the next step after you've whatever started your career and I don't know, everyone has a different order of life. It doesn't matter, but then you're waiting to kind of meet your person so you can settle Mm -hmm. down and start a family and start your, your little unit. And then for me, as soon as I met Ian, everything just started like going so fast. Cause I was like, Oh, well I'm home now. Like, and then it's everything sped up. I know it's weird. It it really feels like after 25, it just went like, and when did you Blue meet by. Christopher? Were you 25? I just turned 25. How yeah. did you meet him? <laughs> I met like, how did we meet? Yeah. Like, how did you, uh, how did you start your okay. uh, relationship? So I slid into Christopher's DM on Instagram um, because, well, first of all, let me rewind. So we were both working for a company called Gymshark. This was back in 2018. And Gymshark was like, hey, they reached out to all their athletes. They're like, hey, we have this new athlete who's competing at the Olympia. Can you guys all say like, good luck, whatever, whatever. To this person, we're going to put a little like video together. And Gymshark doesn't have like too many competitors. They have a lot of like fitness influencers, but they don't have a lot of competitor bodybuilders. And that was my life for so long. So I'm like, oh, who did Gymshark sign that's competing in the Olympia? Like 
let me look into this. This is interesting because they just don't sign bodybuilders. So looked into Chris, like I like just searched his name. On, and, on uh, Instagram? You creeped on him? On Instagram. Yes, okay. I creeped him. And, and? Like nothing, nothing, nothing happened then. Sent him a video no, or whatever. I don't know. I don't care what happened. What were your thoughts? What were your initial thoughts when you creeped him? Were you like, oh shit, he's fine? Like, did you think anything? Yeah. You did. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's he's so cute, whatever. But I also <laughs> got out of a relationship. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I also got out of a relationship. Okay, so we – In you were, like three months prior. The, and it wasn't – it was a serious relationship and it was like you were still recovering. A hundred percent. So, yes, yes. Okay, so you – you see him and then you're like, oh shit, he's competes and he's with Gymshark. I'm surprised because they don't sign a lot of bodybuilders. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, he's cute. But you're yeah. not really in the mindset of like, oh my gosh, like this is a potential partner because you're still kind of healing from your past relationship. Yes, a thousand percent. And it wasn't until after the Olympia, I was on YouTube and like he posted a video talking about your his hardship, like the stuff he went through with his health. So did you subscribe to him on YouTube after? I don't remember if I did or not. Like, did you follow him? I don't I don't remember. I just came across this video of him. Like the cover photo was like a grown man like crying. Like he was like wiping his <laughs> okay. tear like that. So wait, question. When you sent him the video the first time, <laughs> yeah. And you uh creeped him. Yeah. Did you did you follow him on Instagram after that? I think so. Okay. I, I don't know if I did. I don't I can't exactly We should ask remember. him because he would totally remember. Yeah, I know. So then I whatever, stumbled upon this video on YouTube of him like being super open and vulnerable talking about his health, what he mm -hmm. went through being with you guys, his family mm -hmm. after the Olympia because he was like really sick and hospitalized 2 weeks prior, right? Like you remember yeah. you were there. Yeah. Um so I was like, oh my gosh. And I commented on this video because I went through something similar with my health in 2017, the year prior, which I couldn't like defend my Olympia title and compete because I was like going through a lot of health issues. So I commented on this video and I was like, wow, thank you so much for like being super open and like, you know, kind of kudos to you for like being vulnerable and powering through and persevering. Like, that's amazing. And that comment is still there. And people like comment on that comment, like this age, like fine wide. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so whatever, sent that comment. And then after I saw that, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this guy is so sweet. Like he just, he seemed just like a very sweet soul. Like just from that YouTube video I watched, I didn't know him. Like I didn't follow him. You know, I wasn't digging through that stuff, but just how he presented himself. Mm -hmm. And I think this is why so many people love your brother because mm -hmm. he is just a really good soul. He's got mm -hmm. a good heart. And I've mm -hmm. always said that. Mm -hmm. So I see this and then I send him a DM being like, hey, like, I don't even, I still have the DMs. I have the screenshots. We should put them up like right here. But I think the first one was like, like, oh, congratulations at the Olympia, like second place. You should be so proud. And then the second one, he didn't answer. And then I sent him another one. He didn't answer. And then I sent him one more and then he answered. And then it was just like from there. Yeah. Have you, so. have you asked him uh, why he didn't respond? Did he, did he tell you that he didn't see them? What did he say? He said he didn't see them. Well, he, he, he did 
because he literally, <gasps> he literally sent, I'm pretty sure he sent me. He might've been living. No, he wasn't living with me. He was living in Canada. He told in me when you DM'd apartment. him. Yeah. He told me. Really? Yeah. He, oh, because he, he'd, sp- he'd spoken <laughs> about you before. He had like a little weird, like crush on you. I know. He, he'd spoken about you. So he he said, like, you're never going to guess who DM'd me. And he was like, Courtney King. And we were all like, ah! <laughs> In the kitchen. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm dead. <laughs> oh, my God. Looking back at that. And then we were like honeymoon. Like, not honeymoon. Like, high schoolers. You know? Like, on the phone every night. And your brothers like to talk on the phone. But me, like, I'm like nuts i'd like call we'd be on the phone yeah for like but three he was hours. obsessed with you at the beginning he would have been on the yeah. phone with you forever he was obsessed with you it was cute so that's how we met what was it th- that was a really long answer for the question you asked but that was kind of the story um it was good, good in time. terms of the timeline of like you seeing him the first time before the Olympia and then seeing him after and him showing this like side probably that you were craving in a man as after your last relationship. How do you think you, you knew that you were ready at that point to reach out and maybe start a new connection with somebody versus before when you were still kind of getting over your ex? Not getting over your ex, excuse me, getting over your past relationship. Because I don't like when people say I was getting over the person. I think as a human, you're getting over the trauma of the past relationship. Okay. So wait, clarify this question for me. So how did I know it was like an appropriate time to reach out? Yeah. So there was a point where you knew you weren't ready. And there was a point when you were ready. Now, obviously there was a change because you saw him in a different light. So that Mm -hmm. kind of pushed you to do it. But I'm curious if you had seen that earlier when you weren't as healed from your last Mm -hmm. relationship, if you would have still felt ready to reach out or if you did anything to like, you know what I mean? To get over that, to feel accepting for a potential new partner. So when I saw that video, it was... I wasn't looking for a relationship, obviously. I just got out of one three months prior. It was not my like, yeah, sure, you break up with people and like you end things and you can go talk to someone or flirt or or do whatever. But even after like I saw him, I was like, oh, he's cute. You know, whatever, send this little video to Gymshark so they can put this thing together. I still didn't have a like a desire to reach out. And I don't think it was because I was like still, quote unquote, trying to get over my past relationship or the, the, the things that happened, whatever. I just, I, I don't think I was ready to, um, how do I say this? I, I, well, I wasn't ready to date, but I also wasn't ready to kind of want to be with anyone in the industry, like in Mm. the, like social media, Mm -hmm. fitness. I was just like, no, I'm, good. I don't want to like get in that for a while. I'm just going to focus why, on myself. Why do you think that is? Just because a lot of, um, I feel like when you have two couples who are active on social media, you just naturally share a lot. You share a lot of the relationship, the other person, you know, it's like a lot of 
a lot of vulnerability gets put out online. And I already okay, did a lot that. Of your, a lot of your life gets put out when both people are public figures. A hundred percent. Even like the breakups, like they're very like, what's going on? You deleted this picture. You're not posting this person. You People are very this- curious. Yes. Which is fair. Like it's fair. Like mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. But I just wasn't ready to like kind of go down that rabbit hole again, I think, of like being with someone or talking to someone online who's also in social media, let alone fitness. I was like, nope, I'm going to break. That's not what I want right now and whatnot. Then I saw this video and this is where I was like, wow, this guy just – I had this like intuition feeling that he just seemed really different. He just seemed like a different kind of guy. And I'm, I just like was extremely gravitated towards him. So, well, you see, you see a video of a man on the internet kind of being vulnerable like that. And I find for me, at least my first, um, inkling would be like, wow, this person does not function from a place of ego. This is a person that is very comfortable with who he is. He's very comfortable with the hand that he's been dealt. He's not doing anything um, trying to look a certain way. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I hear you saying you didn't want to be with someone in the industry because it was very public, because both of you were kind of influencers. But there is a type of person that ends up being an influencer and it's usually someone that is very ego driven they want to be perceived as like i'm important they want to be perceived as i'm perfect and that's not usually conducive when you're in a relationship with that person yeah so maybe you saw him christopher and it it didn't matter who he was or that he was on youtube or that he was a bodybuilder it was actually just there was obviously attraction and there was a very vulnerable person that was very comfortable being himself. Yeah. That was the, that was like the biggest, biggest thing. It just, he was extremely comfortable with being himself mm-hmm. and he always has been that way. He hasn't changed even after all these years. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, he still leads the same exact way mm-hmm. and he's not driven by ego or what others think. It's just, He's very true to who he is and that's that's very important to me and it's very attractive to me. So it's just kind of we we grew up with a father who is so he is such a leader in such a silent way. Yes. And he doesn't need to be anything other than who he is. And when you grow up in a household and your paternal head of household is like that. I find he raised two kids that are very um, secure in who they are. We don't ever react from a place of like ego or anything like that. Like that's just we from the day we were born, there was no example of that in our household. Our dad is so calm, so secure, so like strong and powerful that it just wasn't even an option. So, I mean, Christopher's like, he's different from my dad in a lot of ways, but he's also very similar. Yeah. Um, and I think like it was never a thing with Christopher and that yeah. is so rare 
in not only a man, but in like a teenage boy, like you, that is so rare. And he was, he's always been special. Like since he was, you know, I remember him being in junior high and like everyone was just like flocking to him because that's very rare to meet someone like that. Yeah. And like you said, with your dad, he isn't like the loudest guy in the room, Mm -mm. the guy who's talking the most, but there is like a presence about him Mm -hmm. that is such a powerful leader that you just kind of, you just respect. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel with your dad. And your brother definitely has that where he doesn't need to like put on a show or Mm -mm. be the center of attention and people Mm -mm. just gravitate, you know, it's, it's really inspiring. Yeah, it's but, a it's very, not, but he's not he's not trying to do that either. No, but makes he, it like that's the whole point. Exactly. As soon yeah. as you're trying, you're no longer having that energy that's gonna be magnetic, like authentically. It's just not it's not possible. So yeah. like people can try to learn it and people can try to re- like replicate it, but it's it's impossible. You mm-hmm. you just have to be born like that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've ever met another man like my dad or my brother like ever really no yeah I mean it's kind of wild I I don't feel like I've ever met anyone like your dad or Christopher especially in like the position he's in with his life yeah never and my dad's like also a very very successful like top like project manager like he's a very successful leader in 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 I mean he works for the city it's like a big deal but like he would never ever have to be like mean or domineering or anything to be a leader it's just very like confident and quiet okay so you meet him you slide Mm -hmm. into his dms he finally answers after ignoring you for what like (laughs) a a week shit yeah like was he trying to play hard to get or something like there's me just being thirsty like dm for sure he was playing hard to get he was a little uh fuck when he was young especially yeah. with girls oh god um okay so <laughs> he finally answers yes what did he say he said something he acknowledged the first dm being like oh thank you and then like said something else i don't even remember i have to like go back and look and then he like started commenting on my photos i remember the first comment was about like me wearing a sweater in arizona where i lived at the time it's like the first. Of course, he's roasting comment. you. Of course. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right off the bat, you know I'm the most roastable out of all four of us. It's me. I am the most roastable. Like Mel, Ian, and Christopher, if they really want to roast me, they can. I'm like, I just, it's just who I am. Um. So yeah, he started off with a roast, a good roast. And then you ended up exchanging phone numbers, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're in your mid twenties and you meet this person. How did it, how did you feel when you started to get to know him more and connecting? Like, did you feel like you had met your husband? It was a feeling I've never felt in my entire life. And it wasn't just like, like the first six months when you meet someone, it's that like bliss, like cocaine brain. You're like, just like high and oh my gosh and like all the butterflies very lustful. Like i've had long ter- say again very lustful yes like exactly lust, yeah yes lust and i've like had those in the past with like my high school sweetheart you know my 
previous relationship, but this was like a deep connection that was so much more than, oh, you're attractive, you're attractive, lusty lust, sexual. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like that at all. It just felt like, it just felt so different. I cannot even explain it. Like mm-hmm. I can, I just can't. It's just, mm-hmm. it just felt different in here and it, mm-hmm. it in my heart and it, yeah, it was a feeling I can't even explain. It was the best. <laughs> yeah, it was just like a wild feeling. I've never felt it before. So then I went to go visit and that's like kind of kicking it off. And then it was, I mean, it was honeymoon phase, but it was also a long distance honeymoon phase. So how hard yeah. was that? And how did you guys deal with that? Because that's not easy. Yeah, no, that was difficult. Um we like did our best on spending time together, like when we were with each other, because we would go so long and then we would be together and then we would stay together for like three weeks, two weeks. I would go there. He would come by me. That was hard. That was like really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, a lot of the times after that whole like blissful phase, none of the feelings went away, but I think how I felt about myself started to finally come to the surface around like that six month mark. And then being long distance on top of it, when these feelings kind of are starting to like come out of a lot of my own self-worth, mm-hmm. that made it very difficult because I would try to push him away a lot not because he was a bad boyfriend or because I didn't love him or want to be with him, but because how I felt about myself. I was very... What were you struggling with with yourself? A lot of self-worth, a lot of um, I'm not good enough, a lot of just acceptance with who I am, like feeling I'm worthy of love. That is, yeah, that was a big, huge thing. I think I felt unworthy for a very long time Mm -hmm. and not good enough in past relationships Mm -hmm. where I constantly, and Chris never made me feel that way, No, but it doesn't matter how hard he even tried to like make me see, you know, see myself differently. I did not feel that deep inside. Mm -hmm. So when we started to become long, like, well, we were always long distance, but when those feelings again started to come out, I was very like push, push away. And that, so, that caused like a tornado. So you've been together for almost half a year and things obviously start to feel a bit more serious, right? We're now, yeah. we're now like definitely exclusive. We're now probably publicly boyfriend, girlfriend, all these things. Yet you are struggling inside of you um, with your self-worth and with your value that you bring to the relationship. So I'm sure you're struggling in your head like, well, why 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 would he want to be with me? Like why is yeah. he even with me? What I'm not yeah. I'm not even worth his commitment or his love. So it can't be real. What he's yes. trying to give to me, I actually cannot accept because I don't believe that I am even worth that. Yeah. So Exactly. Exactly. Having having those feelings and then being long distance, I'm sure created a lot of insecurity, a lot of trust issues mm-hmm. that were yeah. honestly probably only stemming from inside of your own body. 
Yes. So when yes, you say like, that you were pushing him away, what what does that look like for you? I would we would be together, it would be fine, you know, two, three weeks we'd be together, we would separate. I would have these feelings of unworthiness about myself, like you just said. I just felt so undeserving of love and how could someone even want to be committed to me and all the things. Mm -hmm. So it would lead to me literally trying to break up with Christopher. I would be like, no, you just do your own thing. It's okay. Like I'm going through a lot right now. Don't worry about it. I just felt too much like a burden. And he always showed up. He always was like, I mean, as for the amount of times I've pushed this guy away, he always was like, no, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let this go. It's going to be okay. I'm going to stay by your side. I mean, I just met him four months in. I went and got my breast implants removed. He came with me to that. He was extremely supportive. Like I would, I didn't meet Christopher when I was like, you know, super snatched in shape. I started to gain a lot of weight. I was dealing with a lot of like hormonal things. My body, I didn't feel good in my body. I got my, you know, boobs all chopped up. Like I didn't feel like this was a whole shift in how I looked and what I knew for seven years prior. So there was a lot of things, not just the external, but again, the internal of me not feeling whole and worthy that it just, it just led to this huge shit show of him trying and me just not being able to see it. I remember one moment we were in his kitchen in uh, downtown when he lived downtown Ottawa, Mel. And he, I remember like I was in a funk and I was emotional and upset about something, not with him, but just, it was all, it was all stemming from me. And I remember him looking at me and like putting his hands on my shoulder and him being like, Courtney, I wish you could see yourself the way I see you. And he was like, his eyes were like full of tears. And I just, I couldn't see it. Couldn't mm-hmm. see it because mm-hmm. I didn't feel it. So I can't, it doesn't matter if I, if someone else feels that about me. I just couldn't see it. Cor- so. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you started competing at a very young age, mm, very yeah. young. And mm. I'm sure you received an extreme amount of external validation from that. Yeah. A ton. So, so how old were you? 17 when you started? Yeah, I was 17. I started like working out at 16, competing at 17, like moved up in that sport really fast. So it was a lot of like, you know, I mean, you get it. You The better you did, the better contracts you got, the better you placed. It was like you'll get well, a worse magazine. We're yeah. now looking at a 17-year-old girl who is doesn't know – you don't know who you are at 17. You're very oh. young. You're very immature. And you're now getting all of this external validation and self-worth from the way you look. Mm, yeah. And now fast forward eight years and you lose your health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, you're trying to heal from that. Yeah. And in the meantime, your body is now becoming something that you don't recognize. You still looked amazing, but in your head... Because from the age that you were 17 till then, you had always been extremely lean, always in shape. And to you, that was your superpower. How you looked was how you got success. 
That's mm-hmm. how you got love. That's how you got recognition. That's how you got validation. And yep. now that's gone. And now you're supposed to believe that someone that you admire and you think is amazing is going to value you. Yeah, exactly how I felt. That's yeah. very, that's very impossible and very painful to even try to go through that. Like that's, yeah, that's so difficult. Yeah. That was a lot. Cause so much of my worth came from my external. Which How could I know it not? Some, yeah. I know someone hearing this might be like, well, that's fucked up. But like, that's mm. all I knew from like a teenage girl. You know, mm-hmm. I got breast implants when I was like the month before my 18th birthday, I was still like freaking underage. I was 17 turning 18. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't do the whole like university sorority. I went straight into like work mode. Like I got my first contract with a huge company, GNC. I was making like great money. This is when I was 19. Mm-hmm. I went to the Olympia at 19. It was very much like power, move up the ranks, all mm-hmm. based on this control I had with my body, which mm-hmm. was fucking wild looking back. And no wonder had I, it took me literally like not until the past like three years to have like a, a lot more love and acceptance for who I am outside of my looks. But mm-hmm. when I met Christopher, I was still struggling with that. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I was still struggling with a lot of feeling worthy based on who I am rather than just like, like the, you, you know, princess fucking Barbie doll that how other people wanted me to be. So, well, I also believe Everything happens for a reason. And I think you met Christopher and I think the fact that you fell in love with someone that was in the industry, people might look at that and be like, oh, like that's so hard because she was trying to heal. For me, I feel like you met him for a reason and that actually sped up your healing process. Because to be honest, if you're to what you were saying, you were avoiding to be with someone that was like in fitness and whatever and you kind of wanted to like shield yourself from that, let's say you had succeeded in that, you probably wouldn't have been necessarily faced with these issues so quickly and immediately. But now that you're with someone that's actually in the industry and you're now probably struggling even more because you're like, well, shit, he's around everyone that's fit. Of course, he wants someone on his arm that's extremely fit and He's he he knew me before that I was sick. He knew me when I was competing. So like he probably still wants that, you know. There's yeah. probably all these things that are like so loud in your head. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of forced you to really deal with it. And to me, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah. No, it was. It was looking back, extremely beautiful, extremely empowering. But obviously, like in the time I didn't feel that and I didn't see that until mm-hmm going through our breakup, which was like, obviously, you know, extremely intense and painful, but the best thing that happened to Christopher and I, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. had It had to happen 1000%. And did, did you initiate this or was this kind of one of these things where you were like pushing him away and then he kind of just like cracked and he was like, fine, I'll give yes. you what you want. That. Yeah. And then when that happened, because it was almost a way for me to feel worthy. I would push away. You were testing and then him. him. Yeah. And then him being like, no, you know, trying to reel me back. I was like, oh, I am worthy. 
you know, he, he does want uh, me. And that sounds like even saying that a lot, I'm like, wow, that's like really ass backwards, but it's, it's okay. It's, it's, it's not because a lot, a lot of people rely on someone else to make them feel good about themselves. Damn and straight. that is, that is never going to work. And it's also nope. an extreme disservice to your partner. No. No, it will never work. If you're looking for it outside of you, it will never, ever work. And that's exactly what I was doing. Without knowing it, obviously, like looking back, I see it very clear. But in the time not knowing it, that's exactly what I was doing. I was looking for Christopher to make me feel worthy, um, whole, beautiful, like that wanted, appreciated, all the things, right? So it came to this point, start of COVID, where I was like, okay, you know, um, we should probably just go on a, on a break, a breakup. I'm just feeling blah, 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 overwhelmed. At this point, I was also like, I was like extremely depressed. I was living back at my mom's house in Illinois. Um, she didn't live there, but it was, I was living It was there. also like, it was March, right? Like it was- It was March. It was like the worst kind of anyone who lives in whatever Canada, Midwest, like, you know, like January, February, beginning, I mean, all of March, it's very, it's a tough, it's it's a tough time. Yeah. Yeah. It's gray. It Mm -hmm. was like COVID started all these weird things with like, you know, Mm -hmm. COVID kind of started happening. Um, I was dealing with, again, still my health. Like this is Mm -hmm. like three years at this point of dealing with my health. So I'm like, at this point I was dealing with like crazy hormonal acne, my gut issues, all this shit. And I just felt like shit. And tried to push him away again. And then, yes, he was like, you know what? Fine. Maybe you're right. Maybe we should just end this because I can't, I can't do this anymore. And then I was like, wait, no, you're not supposed to say that. That was like unfamiliar. I was like, you've always like been there and convinced me me. back or Mm -hmm. excuse me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It just, you have always been the one to make sure that I didn't actually go away. You know, you've always like fought for me and all these things. And then when he was like, no, no more, I'm done with this shit. I was like, holy fuck, I need to really take a look in the mirror on how I'm showing up because I can't live like this anymore. And this, and this was me very much in like a victim mindset, like just living in a lot of my own shit, my own, like just everything with how I felt. Mm Mm-hmm. I uh I remember this period obviously very well. Yeah. And I was uh I was really protective of him. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like we always protect our partners a little bit, you know what I mean? Like even if we're like venting to our friends or we're we're you know explaining a situation to somebody, we we always like kind of try to shelter our partner a little bit. Yeah. And Christopher did that a lot with you. Um, But I think at the end he was getting so, he was so sad and he was just so tired of this like back and forth. And I just kind of looked at him. I'm like, I know you can't really see this right now. And I'm like, and I don't think Courtney's a bad person. But she is, in a way, emotionally manipulating you right now. And she wants you to make her feel better. And you deserve someone that is whole enough that can make you feel better. And, like, 
I just remember like seeing this happening and I understood because I'm a woman too. And I deal with all this stuff too, but I also just saw my brother and I was like, okay, this can't go on like this. And I was just like, I don't know what the answer is. It's probably not. I, I, I knew from the beginning that you guys were going to get married. I remember saying it to Ian all the time. Like these two are going to get married. Even when you broke up, I was still saying that you guys were going to get back together and get married. I promise you that. I said it to my parents. I said it to, I think I said it to Christopher. I said it to Ian, but I did know that you as a woman really needed to like heal yourself. Cause there was, there was no way that like, if you guys had stayed together through that, you probably wouldn't have lasted. You wouldn't have gotten better and he would have gotten really burnt out and really resentful. Yeah. So I think whatever you guys decided to do and however you guys decided to do it is a really powerful thing for people to hear because it allowed you to come back together and to be so much better for each other after. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, that time, that time apart, I had to, I had to give myself the love that I was looking for outside of myself. I had to actually be like, no, I need to give myself this because I didn't for so long. And I never actually even, I don't think actually even knew what that felt like. Cause I don't think I actually ever really did that, which is insane. Like it's, I'm not trying to like belittle myself here and like beat myself up, but like looking back now, I'm like, wow, I can say like for certain, all of my early 20s, late teens, early 20s, mid 20s, I don't think I ever truly knew what it felt like to love myself at all. How did you end up like figuring out what you needed to like fall in love with yourself or to or to gain the self-worth that you did that allow you to sh- that allows you today to show up as like a who you are basically? I think the biggest thing I did was I had to own my shit. I remember posting a YouTube video being like owning my shit and who I am. And I had to like own these parts of me and like take responsibility for how I was actually being in this world, how I was treating myself, others, how I was living in this very victim mindset. And like, I did not see it at the time, but that is literally how I lived. I lived in like, why did this happen to me? My career got taken away from me. No one else is dealing with health stuff. You know, I went through this like surgery, you know, I went through this person did this to me. Like it was all of this shit. And like, there's a saying, it's like, you're not responsible for what happened to you. Like, it's not your fault for what happened to you, but it is your responsibility for how you're going to handle it and move forward or move through it. And that's really what I did. I had to take a lot of responsibility for my life, for the things that happened and own them, but not like give them power anymore to be able to work through them. So I started seeing a therapist, which I didn't for, I remember my mom trying to make me see a therapist, like when her and my dad were getting divorced when I was in middle school, you need to go talk to someone. That was like the only time I've ever talked to someone until like 26 yeah, 26 years old. Mm-hmm. So went to start like seeing a therapist weekly. Um, I had to dig up a lot of these old like wounds and shit from my past that I never really processed ever. Like I mm-hmm. like had something happen and it was like, 
sweep it under the rug, have something happen, sweep it under the rug. And the rug just gets bigger. And then it was like this explosion. Like I, I didn't even, I don't even remember like feeling all these things until I started to kind of like bring them Mm -hmm. out, like stuff Mm -hmm. from my past and my childhood and my parents and Mm -hmm. relationships and things that happened, whatever. I had to really actually like bring all this stuff up so I could move through it, not to just get over it, but to actually like work through these big things. So that Mm -hmm. would be like the number one thing I did, Mm -hmm. taking ownership. Mm -hmm. It was hard though. I feel like, uh, I think it's very normal when something happens that's out of your control to have that initial reaction of like, why me? Yeah. I think that's very normal. And I would argue that it's healthy and something to be accepted. But I do think there does need to come a point where you kind of like wake up and you like, as you said, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you react to it. Yeah. And if that's the only thing that you can focus on, then you need to do it. Like, yeah. And I just started, I think I started making better, I don't want to say like better choices, but I started living differently. Like I, like I remember starting my day every day with like a podcast and a walk outside. Like before I would like get up and like look in the mirror and look at my acne or look at my stomach when it was like huge or like just hate my body. And like, I would just start like picking myself apart and then I'd be depressed. And then I sit on the couch or chair for fucking hours and scroll social media and like, just fill myself with so much empty. It was so much emptiness. There was no, it was just, it, it was just very sad. So I started changing also like my habits and how I lived. Like when COVID happened, I remember like my mom making a comment to me. She's like, you're so stagnant, Courtney. You have been like so stagnant for like the past couple of years. She wasn't saying anything because I like gained weight or, or anything like that. I would just literally sit on my phone and be on the couch or be on Instagram or whatever. I was just doing nothing. She's like, mm-hmm. You're, you just sit a lot. You just sit a lot. And I was like, yeah. no, I fucking doubt. <laughs> but I was, I was like a little potato. So I'm like, okay, started going on a lot of walks, listening to podcasts, not like, like I was still on social media, but I wasn't I also wasn't talking like so negatively or I wasn't like living in so much of my identity at the time, which was my health, which was my body, which was like, you know, it was trying to connect with people on, it was, it was a way to connect with people, but it was in a way that was not empowering. It was still living in shit. Like I remember sharing a lot of like my health issues and it was like a a way for me to try to connect, but then it would be other people being like, yeah, I've also had this and dealt with this. And, And it was just like, really low vibration energy that yeah. I I I couldn't keep putting out there. So I stopped putting a lot of my health shit out there. Um, this is kind of the time where I feel like I, I silenced myself a little bit, but it was needed. I needed to do this for me. I was over mm-hmm. the oversharing and mm-hmm. all the things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just like changing some habits and how I lived every day and being nicer to myself. Like I remember 
right before Chris and I broke up, I was dealing still with all of these like gut issues. And I was like trying to do these liver flushes and cleanses and all these like fucking wild things that heal myself. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm done with this stuff. This, I need to take a break. I need to step back. I need to like just give myself some love and grace and not constantly try to quote unquote fix myself and view myself in this way that something was always wrong with me. And I swear to you when people are like, how did you heal your health and your body and like lose weight and your gut and all these things, like it is a process and there are times and place, there's a time and place for like supplements and doctors and all these things. But I had to like let go of all that control and that's when my body started to fucking work for me. No one Mm -hmm. likes to hear that because it's like they want the like concrete thing that's going to like fix them or their relationship or the relationship they have with themselves or their health issue. But I had to just like let a lot of that shit go mm-hmm. in order to get into a different, like higher vibration to finally heal. Mm-hmm. But it took some time, mm-hmm. a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously this isn't just something that you like heal and then you never have these thoughts come into your head ever again. Right. No. Like this isn't like, Oh, three years ago, Courtney took a break from her relationship and started doing all this stuff. And now she's perfect all the time. Like (laughs) this is not, um, these things are not like the end of the world, having past trauma and then having insecurities or having attachment issues. They're not the end of the world. And I don't, I truly think that there's not really ever going to be a time where it's like, oh, I'm completely healed and I'm never going to think about this again, or I'm never going to react like this again. That's not what it is. I think it's more being able to recognize when you do show up not super powerfully and being able to shift. And that's what it's all about. You know Yeah, what I that's mean? growth to me for sure. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm not, I'm not this perfect, like a person now who's like, oh, I have no relationship issues. Everything's great and dandy. I have no insecurities ever. I have no body image issues ever. I have no like moments of feeling like I'm going backwards. Yeah. I still feel like some of those things sometimes, but what you just said, Mel, like how you handle the situation and how you're able to, able to, excuse me, pivot and like respond differently. That is growth because I even look back on like old me when certain things come up now, I'm like, wow, I would have like really lived in that or I really would have like beat myself up for that or whatever it is. So yeah, it's a constant journey. It's like, it's, you're always going to have things in life, like stress things. They're always going to be there, but it's how you respond to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how's your, how was your relationship with yourself now? And how's your relationship with, um, Christopher changed, I guess. The relationship with myself now. Mm. I definitely learned to accept and love different parts of myself. I still have moments when I feel something can come up or, you know, I get something I'm watching something and it brings up a memory of the past or I still have moments of feeling at times like 
a little, I don't want to say like, I don't love myself or anything like that, but I still have, I still have my moments, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. But how overall, how I view myself is truly like, I view myself as someone who is very strong and who leads, who leads just very true to herself. And that to me is very special because I don't, I don't think before I ever really knew who I was. And now I'm starting to know or understand more of who I am. And I'm trying to, now I'm trying, I am living in a way that embodies that, if that makes sense. I'm still trying to step into this person, this woman, but the relationship with myself is something I view as like special now, not something that I, I hate before I hated the relationship I had with myself, with my body, with my, with others. Like I just, just, I didn't like it. And now Mm -hmm. I'm, I like it. I like who I am. And that's like really special for me to say that. So, and then with Christopher, oh, sorry. Sorry. I just want to say something. I want to give you a compliment. I feel like you've really, I feel like you create a space for others to be themselves, but I don't think you ever did that for yourself because there was a lot of judgment. There was always a lot of judgment and a lot of, um, a lot of thought of like, if I do this or if I show up like this or whatever, and you've, you've worked really hard in the last couple of years to kind of create that safe space for yourself. So who Courtney really is now actually has a place where she can come to life. And I think the more that you're seeing of yourself, the more you're like, wow, I actually really fucking like this person. And that is probably one of the most empowering feelings as a human that you will ever have. So I think the more that you kind of let her show, the more you're going to love her. And then the more unstoppable you're going to feel. Yeah. No, I appreciate you saying that. I'm going to like, I'm getting like emotional hearing that because I am, I know I'm such like a loving person and to everyone I like I give a lot, like I'm, I'm super caring. I truly, it's not like a fake, like caring, Mm -mm. like I'm very empathetic, like Ian, like I'm just, I just am that type of person. I love hard. I'm, I'm, I I have judgment. Yeah. I'm fucking human, but I try very hard not to be like judgmental all the time Mm -hmm. and everything, Mm -hmm. but I never gave myself that same grace, I guess, ever. I just, I've always been so hard and nasty on myself. I have. So even when you're like, Oh, what do you love about yourself now? I I still find it like that. What I even just said probably didn't even fucking make sense. Cause I still find it difficult it to, put, it made to sense. put my words like to, I don't know. It's I've never, I, I promise you, I promise you, you can ask 10 people what they like about themselves and nine of them will have a fucking problem answering that. Yeah. Huh. It's yeah, remember when you did that exercise? Like mm-hmm. it's hard. Mm-hmm. Listen, Ugh. especially as women, we are almost conditioned to not show 
confidence. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You don't want to come across as thinking highly of yourself or being, you're too confident and then you're stuck up. You know what I mean? No one likes that. People, people gotta, we gotta stay in our box and that's just, I don't know. There's, there's no room to play safe in this life. And it's not it. you not acknowledging things that you like about yourself is like such a detrimental thing, not only to you, but to the world around you. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I know. I know. It's something I'm still working on. So I'm sorry if that answer didn't really like make sense. You guys, I, I was trying to like think, like, no, it okay, makes actually sense. listen, think <laughs> like, you know, what do I like, how is this relationship changed with myself? But I would just say I I like who I am. I can honestly look in the mirror and, and say I like I I like you, Courtney. Like you're a you're a good person. You know, like you are. Yeah. I still gotta work on like all the uh, all the other little things, but I can honestly say that. And then with That's your huge. brother, like yeah, for sure. Um, sorry, I'm like got emotional, so my nose is because <laughs> I'm like, oh, excuse me. Um, with your brother, it just it's become more real. It's, I thought the first year and a half of our relationship was real and it was real. Like, I'm not going to say it wasn't real, but it, it wasn't. Does that make sense? Like it was, but it wasn't, there wasn't that like depth, that like real intimate. Here's all of me. Like Christopher saw parts of me, but now he is like, he's like seen all of me. And like you said, how you were with Ian, like you guys talked about everything. You didn't hide everything. Like you were you, all of you right from the start. Mm-hmm. I still think when I first met Christopher, there was a front. Not I think, I know. There was still like a front. I I think both of you weren't showing all of yourselves. Yeah. I like felt like I had to kind of protect a little. And Mm -hmm. then you Mm -hmm. probably didn't know how to like navigate how I was being, you know, and showing up and all the things. But now it just feels like, holy shit, this person sees all of me and I see all of him and they love me and accept me for everything that I am. Mm-hmm. And that is a, that's a beautiful feeling. I've never had that feeling before. I think, I think, um, in relationships, I feel like a lot of times people don't show all of themselves. And I don't think that means people are being fake or they're not being true to themselves. That's not right. I think people can be true to themselves and be very authentic, but not show all sides of them. Um, and that could, that could even mean, um, like I want to say something to Ian, but I'm too scared to say it because I don't want to hurt him or, or I want to tell him how I feel about myself, but he's not going to know what to say. So he's going to be uncomfortable and I don't want to make him feel uncomfortable. Like those things are not someone being fake or not, not knowing who they are. That's really just how we kind of operate in human relationships because we're constantly trying to make sure the other person is like, okay. And sometimes it happens at the detriment to ourself, but it also happens at the detriment of the connection of the relationship. Yeah. So you majored in psychology, didn't you? Or what, not psychology. What did you do? I, I (laughs) neuroscience and a minor in psychology. They don't teach this shit in university. Yeah. No, this this is just from literally be, me being with Ian and really kind of people ask a lot about my marriage. Like I feel yeah. like that's like a very common question and I think a lot about it. I mean, Ian and I talk about it a lot to be honest. Yeah. 
Um, I think when you can work in a relationship to create space to make sure that the other person always has room to share, Mm. it creates a very, very deep connection. So if Ian's going to say something to me that I might not like, you know what I mean? Like he says something and I'm like, oh, like I don't like that you said that about that person. I don't want to judge him because if I'm going to do any tiny bit of a judgment, he's now going to feel that in his body. And the next time he wants to say something, he's going to remember that and he's not going to share. Yes. So and yes. it's the same thing with my brother. Christopher is always very calm. So if he ever kind of gets upset or worked up, I usually try to say thank you because I know that he feels safe enough to let those emotions out in front of me. I'm not going to be like, how dare you yell at me? I'm actually going to say thank you for feeling safe enough to show me your true emotion. And it's not easy to do that. There has to be a very strong foundation of love and trust because I now know that if Ian gets upset and says something that he doesn't necessarily mean, I know how much he loves me, so I know he doesn't mean it, but I can still say thank you. You feel safe enough to let out this frustration to me. Yeah because we're human and all these emotions are going to come up. And if we don't have space to share them with our partner, there's just going to create stuff under the rug, but there's also going to be an extreme amount of distance between two people. And that is to me, my biggest fear in life. And I never want to be close with somebody, whether it's a friendship, family, marriage, I never want them to feel like they can't say something that they want to say around me or to me because they're scared of my reaction or they're scared of my judgment. Yeah. And And it's a, go ahead. Go ahead. I I was going to say too, that's like a pattern that was huge at the beginning of our relationship Mm -hmm. was him not wanting to like say something because of how I was going to respond or how it was going to make me feel, or he was nervous. And then me also not changing who I was, but not showing all of me because it was almost like a protection for myself too. Like, oh, if I show this, then I'm going to get rejected here. And it was like, it was just two people. And that's not real connection. Like it's not. What, now that you're thriving, almost 30 (laughs) and thriving. 30 and thriving, baby. I kind of want to hear a little bit about your vision for your life. Ooh, Shit, Mel, you're hitting me with these deep questions that like I don't like sit and think about, you know? I've never been someone who's like wrote a five-year plan, 10-year plan, 20-year plan, year plan. I have never really thought about that. Like I have, but I don't put, I guess, that much thought into it. Like, oh, I know I want to get married. I know I eventually want to start a family. But like, what does that look like? What's the timeline? What's the vision? I know timelining and goal setting is very important to get where you want. I I yeah. do. I really, really do. Yeah. I think sometimes it creates blinders and people miss out on opportunity and potential different paths that might be better for them. But when I say, what's your vision for your life? I'm like talking like big things that like you, you know that you want. So like okay. kids marriage, 
like what kind of home? Like, do you want a vacation? Like, do you want to travel? What, like, what are, what are these things that are going to fill your cup for the rest of your life that you're going to be like happy basically? Okay. Let me try to summarize this like as best as I can. So I do want to get married here shortly. You know, I don't want to wait like five years. Like we're going to already have like a two-year engagement, but that's fine. Like it will be, it will happen next year. Two years, um, not that long. No. It could be worse. It's fine. Yeah. So I do want to get married. I do want to have a family. I kind of like, I wouldn't even be opposed to like, like having a family before I got married. But I'm like, yeah, I feel like there's, wait, wait hold on, hold on. You're looking at me. Oh no, bitch, not without me. <laughs> Like, I feel like there's parts of me who are like, oh, I would just get pregnant now. Like, fuck it, whatever. And then there's parts of me or try to get pregnant. I know it doesn't happen, can take time. And I know not everyone is able to. So let me just like preference this with like understanding that, yeah, I I hope people- God willing, it's okay. Yeah, we got it. Yes, yes. So like, I do want that. And there are some times where I'm like, Oh wow, I could I could be a mom now, but then there are times where I'm like, ah, shit, like there's so much more I want to do. I want to like get married, I want to travel for a bit, I want to like be married life husband wife before I add in children, but honestly, like you said this, I think I don't know. I I think maybe it was our last episode where you're like that's like my biggest goal in life is to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And I feel like not a lot of women we live in this society that's like hustle culture, mm-hmm. go, 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 work a lot, do a lot. Like the mom's got to do – like the women have to be as the same level as the men. And I'm not I'm not saying because you're a mom puts you on a lower level. You're. It, I'm not saying that at all. But it's almost like being a mom is almost looked at like not like such a beautiful, special, amazing job gift – that no, you get it's, to it's, do. it's it's judged for sure. It's like, oh, yeah, you're, it's like, oh, you're, you're a just mom. a mom. Yeah. Yeah. And that no, is like, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when you said that, I was like, oh, wow, that's like, that's huge. Cause that is like a huge goal of mine is to be a mom, to have a family. I want to fucking live by you so we can have our kids together and the cousins can play and we could like live on a farm. Literally the vision, live on a farm, travel around. Yeah. We're going to be that fucking crazy family that lives on like 10 acres and the house, the two houses are on the same plot of land. 100%. And And, me and and Mel have talked about this. We share a nanny because yes, I would love that. I need a nanny because I need to work out and I need to travel and (laughs) I need some space. Yeah. Our moms can come in. They can be the yes. They can be Mary and Deb. When you make a vision for your life, it's there's no restrictions to it. There's no yeah. restrictions to time, uh, money, space. You know what I mean? You just yeah. you need to say what you want. Yeah, put it out there in the mm-hmm. universe. So that would mm-hmm. be that's a huge goal of mine. That's probably the biggest goal, um, and it's something I've thought a lot more about lately. And then there's other goals business-wise that I actually want to do with you, um, something we're starting, which we're super stoked about that's coming in, not this year, but next, um, that's been in the works for like three fucking years, like this podcast, but it'll be great once it happens. Like it will, we'll hit it with a bang. Um, so there's, there's those goals and there's the goal of just like being 
not like, you know, people are like, oh, I just want to be happy. Like happiness is a choice, I feel. But living every day with extreme gratitude, because it's one thing to sit there and like write it in your journal and like, I'm grateful for this. But there are days I don't wake up and I'm like grateful that like, mm-hmm. holy shit, I get to, I, I get to like, live today. Like we think it's just promise. Like every day you're going to go to bed, wake up. And that's not how life is. Like I remember in 2020 having a friend, beautiful, young, she was my age. She committed suicide. Like just got married six months prior, was pregnant and committed suicide. Like that's so sad. It's just, you know what? It's just like, wow. Like every day is truly such a gift. And mm-hmm. I I want to wake up and live like that. And that, that, that might not be some fancy like goal of I want to drive this or have this or whatever. <laughs> Fuck but that like, shit. That shit yeah, but better. like that to me is that to me is like living. That to me is the most beautiful thing, being around amazing people, being around family, you guys building a strong relationship with my fiance that is like the number one thing that's most important to me too is just like having such a strong grounded relationship that we're doing right now we're in the works of that like we are yeah. strong but we're getting stronger so that yeah. is a huge goal of mine yeah. that's a vision i see and like just just living life living life to the fullest and mm-hmm. taking it in every single day mm-hmm. with that that's my my little vision. Maybe it will that's, change, but that's a, that's beautiful. That's Thanks, Mel. <laughs> I appreciate you. I think um, I think being present is mm. really at the end of the day the goal, right? Yeah. Like we want to be in a place where everything feels so full and abundant and safe that we're always in our bodies that we're always present that we're always seeing what's right in front of us and that's not it's not going to be like that every second of every day but if that is always the goal and we can always bring ourselves back to that it you're, you're going to be okay you know what i yeah. mean yeah and i think we live, oh, you sorry go, go ahead go. No, no you go. go you go no you go <laughs> i'm going to move on so you need to say what you're going to say no but i w- i was I was just going to say is everyone like, is like, oh, what's the next thing? What's the next mm-hmm. thing? What's the next thing? And it just constantly takes you out of the present moment when this is all we have. This mm-hmm. is all we have. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this moment right here is like, this is it. We don't know if we're going to get tomorrow and the past is already gone. So like, enjoy this present moment, bring yourself back to it. Like mm-hmm. we're always worrying about the next thing. And it's like, wow, being able to live in the present is like the most powerful place you can actually live. And that doesn't mm-hmm. mean you can't like focus on future goals and visions and dreams and all of that. But right here, right now is a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's also, there's a time and a place, right? Like we always take time to kind of like plan for the future and set goals. But when you're actually in moments, you need to kind of be in moments. You know what I mean? Like if we're for example, home from work and we're sitting down for dinner with our family, we don't need to be thinking about what happened at work or what we need to do the next day. We just need to be here and we need to like see our family, see our kids, see our husband and actually like be there. And that's, I don't know. I think that's like a huge thing that people don't do. And it's to me, 
it's pretty simple. Yeah. If if you start just if you can just change one thing and that's all you're going to focus on for the next week, you're probably going to realize how much more time you have. You're going to realize how many like beautiful relationships you actually have. People are going to start seeing you differently. People are going to start being attracted to you. Like there's like all these things that come along with it and it's it's it sounds so stupid, but I also think because we all have phones and we all have Netflix and we all have all this shit that it's just yeah. like it's it's gone bye-bye. And I also think for me personally, if my biggest goal in my life is to be the best wife that I can possibly be and the best mother that I can possibly be, God willing, I don't, to me, that's like all that matters. You know what I mean? I agree. I agree. Because like at the end of the- People here, people don't think that's like a- No, but like we're going to die. Yeah, I know. We're like, we're sorry. At the end of the day, everything that we do and all that we are putting out there and creating and making money and buying this and doing that, like, sure, it's great. And like, do things that make you feel good. But like, at the end of the day, you're going to die. And it's like, not that big of a deal. So like, figure out what matters the most to you and just do that, you know, prioritize that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Without a doubt. Okay, well, this was fun. Yeah, I'm like, this is a, a this is a 90 minute one too. Fuck. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's okay. Or should we really be saying you're welcome, guys? Yeah, you're welcome, guys. If you went on a really long walk, you probably just did like 13,000 steps. Okay, like this is. Yeah, but people can pause us and put us back on. People yeah, can, I like, do that when I'm cleaning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People can turn us off too. They can skip. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah. We won't take it personally. We won't know. So it doesn't matter to us. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you guys for listening to another 90 minute rant. It wasn't a rant. This was it like wasn't good. a rant or a rant. No. It was really good. And yeah. you thank you for being so open and vulnerable and sharing because people don't know and people go through the same shit. So yeah, it's yeah. powerful. Thanks, Mel. I appreciate your interviewing. Now I have to do it next week to you. <laughs> Ready to dive in? I'm ready. Okay. Okay. We love you guys. Love you guys. Thank you. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.